this Easter I was at Gotcom and I think you and me played some uh, good games and ate amazing, really strong food. It was on the level when they passed by to serve other people food. I started coughing and crying because it was so hot food. It was so good. And on the same gaming convention that both you and I attended, I met an amazing gentleman and I tried to make friends in the same way that I have a tendency to do with uh, fellow nerds, and that is to talk about nerdy things and listen enthusiastically and uh, throw more exciting factoids around me. So I mentioned the Dunning-Kruger effect and I think what I wanted to get at was that it's very good to be humble about what you know and what you don't know because it's hard to know what you don't know according to the Dunning-Kruger effect. That's Is that a a reasonable explanation of the Dunning-Kruger effect? With my many years of studies of the Dunning-Kruger effect I will say absolutely yes. Oh, very good. I think it boils down to that you use the same parts of the brain for knowing if you know something than actually knowing it. Yeah, from what I gather, it's the one where people that are really, really ignorant on a topic tend to overestimate themselves and their knowledge and their understanding, while people that are really, really capable tend to underestimate themselves. Exactly. And now for the kicker. This gentleman said to me, you seem to be... A good person, nice, empathic and all that. But I need to tell you that the Dunning-Kruger effect is not true. It doesn't work that way. It's all bogus. So I went, what? And he explained that it all boils down to autocorrelation. It's a statistic, statistical thing. An effect that you can get if you don't have your variables separate. Uh, because then if we jump over to, to mathematical proofs, which I, for some reason, feel more comfortable about than statistics, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, then um, it's a, a circular reasoning. So you prove that the Dunning-Kruger effect exists by proving that the Dunning-Kruger effect exists. Hmm. And uh, the two dudes who, Dunning and Kruger, uh, who wrote this article, who made this research, they they fumbled on the input data. So there's an amazing article about this that shows that you can show this effect with random data. Oh, yeah, that might not be a good sign. Indeed. So the Dunning-Kruger effect pops up everywhere (laughs) in a bad way. It's not as if it's one of the building blocks of the universe, of humanity, and so on. It's because they fumbled. Doesn't this just indicate that it definitely is one of the building blocks of the universe? Autocorrelation? The Dunning-Kruger effect. It's like, in white noise, you will find this. It's it's like the golden ratio. You will find it wherever you look for it. (laughs) So... uh, (laughs) I think you had the wrong takeaway. I think it's truer than it ever was. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a very And I don't point. know anything about sort of uh, statistics and or math, so I'm pretty certain I'm right. Seems legit. I'm pretty certain that everything I've said about the Dunning-Kruger effect when I thought it was correct is wrong. Uh, yeah, so That probably tracks. Yeah. So, uh, but but you can still be correct, of course. So, <laughs> I want to talk more about being wrong and uh, all that having opinions and changing one's mind and so on. 
uh, and and trying to do that like a reasonable human being. Uh, so I guess uh, what's the opposite of a toxic way? Like I don't know. Almost anything becomes toxic if you if you eat too much of it. But or maybe that's poisonous. English is hard. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. They keep making up new words. Yeah, and they, they're missing some, and they don't even know it. Absolutely. So being wrong in a good way, uh, changing one's mind, and so on. Because some parts of it, just to to, I need to empty my brain of the Dunning Kruger effect. I think so. I need to talk about it more. Uh, some parts of it is fascinating, and I wonder if they can be shown in some other way. Like uh, the more I know about a topic, the less I think I know. Is this true? Or did they just make it up and sh- point that are autocorrelating graphs? I don't know. But regardless, it's a good idea to be humble about it, I think. Also, there's there's the... I'm going to name it the curse of the expert. Hmm. And it's it's very easy to sound like a complete twat when you speak about it. But, so bear with me. The curse of the expert is that when someone becomes an expert in something, they stop being able to explain this something for a person that just has started their travel on this uh, field. Yeah, this I've heard come up a few times, mostly in regards to learning software development and trying as a junior to learn from a very experienced developer, where it can be really hard to teach across a large gap in experience and uh, knowledge because so many of the things that you take for absolutely granted as an expert as someone who has done it for a ton of time is the actual challenge for for someone at the entry level and that it's generally more effective to be taught by someone who's slightly more experienced than you exactly and i think that that sort of paints a similar type of picture to the dunning kruger effect without being quite so like, oh, stupid people are dumb uh, and they think they're great, uh, which I think a lot of us want to think that way and also have experiences that seem to confirm it. But whether we have statistically significant experiences is debatable. You you also have a confirmation bias that lurks yeah, exactly. in the shadows. So yeah. you're yeah. like, huh, do I know of any cases where this is true? It's like, yes. Have you looked at precedents recently? <laughs> Yeah, but I think also as a more experienced person, it becomes really, really hard or you have to be a very particular kind of person to want to state things firmly. A lot of people find sort of researchers and uh, scientists to be a little bit wormy and like, you know, they refuse to answer the question. It's like, no, no, they're answering it accurately, which means they're saying there may be a case where, and they're saying things like, as far as we know, and no, this does not prove anything. It simply shows that it strengthens our belief that this is the case because you can't prove things in science. That's that's not a thing, as far as I'm aware. Well, well you can, but then it's math. Well, that also leans on some fundamental ideas about how math works, I guess. Which yeah assuming those are correct i think they are because but but this is kind of strange because yeah (laughs) yeah but but generally 
science is like, oh, theory, uh, let's try to disprove it because it, things can be disproven. They cannot be proven. Uh, it's the other way around. I'm sorry. Yeah, because uh, the way you disprove something or or show that something isn't true is to find an example hmm? that shows that this isn't true. Uh, so, uh, for instance, say I have my new great math theory that all numbers are divisible by two. Yeah. So we can we can start by uh, zero. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, one. Uh, no. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> because one is you get one uh, as a rem- remainder uh, when you divide it by two. So so it worked for for some numbers, but not all. So that's an example of counterexample is the word I'm searching for. But if I wanted to show this for all numbers, I would have had to create something, uh, a proof that would, would actually hold for all numbers. And yeah. I think what I was saying was that you cannot prove, you can't disprove. Hmm. And I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, maybe we're we're falling into a a two holes of different terminology here. So all it <laughs> takes to disprove something is to find one example where it does not hold. Yeah. And to prove something you would have to exhaust the universe to verify that there are no cases. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I think we're I think we're I think agreed. We're, <laughs> we're agreeing in a very very uh you know conflicty way. Yeah, you can prove something wrong. That is, you can disprove it, but you cannot yeah. prove that something holds for everything. I guess it's the whole thing problem of the universe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, which means that if someone expresses themselves sort of with the intellectual rigor and sort of, I am a science person. I take this seriously. They also tend to. Not want to commit to like, oh, no, this is absolutely true. This is how it works. Because that's not how the entire discipline works. Indeed. And there's something similar about building skill, I think, and building knowledge in general, where your outlook on things becomes more nuanced. So if someone comes to me and says, what's the best programming language? If I'm feeling particularly glib, I'll, I'll go, oh, that's that's Elixir or whatever, and sort of uh, then then explain the nuances of uh, why I like it and uh, tell them that this is not true for everyone. But more more typically, I would say there is no best programming language because it's a pointless question. It does not hold up in my in my experience and in my day to day. There is no best web server. There is no best OS. There is no best anything because it's also very contextual. And a good, like a, a truly excellent piece of software can be the wrong choice in the wrong circumstance. And you get all this nuance as you get more know how and experience. And I guess you also don't want to tell people that things that you believe are wrong. So you tend to express that nuance which means you also express less clarity you're not saying this is the solution you're not going no function should be longer than 10 lines 
yeah, it depends. But when you're really new or at, at certain experience levels, the more clear a directive you can get, the more useful it can be to you, even though it might not serve you forever. It can be very helpful and clear and you you're already dealing with so much learning like some clarity is very nice and experts are bad at clarity a lot of the time that's sort of that's sort of my uh, my understanding of partially teaching across the gap i don't remember i think now uh, i i was linked to this concept at some point recently uh, we had some people on beam radio that spoke about it and sonna kalkman touched on it in uh, her keynote at Codebeam, but just this, yeah, teaching to people that are relatively near you in knowledge and skill. Yeah, and try to build a. I think the word is straight in poker, right? So when you when you hire, you try to build from ten to jack, queen, king, ace. Yeah. So you get the whole skill straight, the whole ladder. Yeah, which. Is one of the weirder metaphors I've used this week. So that's good. I somehow want this all to be named Sons of Pedagogy. But that's, I can hardly pronounce it. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I think this mirrors sort of some of the aspects of the Dunning Kruger effect that appeal to people. Because, like, in the things I know quite well, I, I feel comfortable but i don't feel certain i think and it sort of maps it's catchy for one thing it's like oh, people that know a lot uh, don't know that they know don't know a lot so uh, it's sort of one of those oh this is a counterintuitive thing ain't that cool so the internet likes counterintuitive things that that seem cool so i, I get why dunning kruger is is uh, appealing it's a scratches the mind in a nice way but even if it's not accurate i think there's aspects of that that still applies to to how people learn and sort of how out of touch with with the entry-level life you get as you get more experience and how little certainty you care to express as you know a topic more uh, intimately does that line up with your experience yeah both that and also when someone goes oh so i have this problem with git or i want to do this with haskell or something and my brain just starts producing a list of instructions so first you do this then that then this then this then this oh why you do this let's take that later and this and this and this and this uh, but that's something else i believe that's more like i don't know how to make a really badass judo throw. But it's also trying to convey how to make a really badass judo throw is, is also a very interesting experience because there are so many details. And which ones of those to omit the first five years of learning that technique? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's easier or harder when trying to master Git or Elixir or something, or Vim for that matter. Vim is interesting in the way that so much of the commands I use and so on aren't really in the brain anymore. They're somewhere between the shoulder blades. 
Um, not the heart, but the bone marrow in the back. Got it in the spine. Yeah. So it takes. It's like uh, entering passwords and pin codes and stuff. Takes a yeah. while to to <laughs> load it in back into the brain. I've had the experience of just forgetting a pin. Yeah. It's like no, I know this dance. But I could not for the life of me remember the sequence of numbers when I had to think <laughs> about it. So, And I had lost sort of the certainty of what I was tapping. Oh, no. And suddenly I couldn't do it. And I couldn't remember it. And then I had to try to remember it. And I think it was lost for a day or two before it just came back. Wow. It was weird. Yeah. Similarly, I... I dread the day that I forget my sort of password manager password. <laughs> just it's going to happen one day out. and it's going to be yeah. absolute chaos. Oh, yes. Yeah. Also, this is an interesting one. I don't know if it's... I like to communicate by by um, proposition. What's the... yeah, I think propositioning the people. Yeah, that's why I'm married to 2,543 people. No, no, not uh, proposing to people, propositioning. <laughs> Just when you're trying to get them to do something with you. Oh, that's the one. that I don't think it has to be sexual, but I think it tends to be. It tends to be. It's like an euphemism. Yeah, I hate euphemisms. But on the other hand, I love puns. So I, I hmm. think there's a nuance there. Okay, proposition as a logical thing. So, so for instance, to say that, well, we can we can go for Elixir is the best programming language, uh, and it's well, Elixir maybe isn't as fun to say, but let's say C plus plus is the best programming language. You can say that to Linus Torvalds, uh, and he will will maybe he has become more. Hmm. Mild. Yeah, he's chilled out now, now so he might yeah, just politely disagree. Exactly. But some years ago, he he would have wound up his his engine and uh, given a very long uh, rant about why C plus plus sucks. And that's maybe not the best way to. Okay, like this. I think I like being wrong. Is what I was trying to say with this rally track of. Uh, shortcuts you sort of throw a ball in the air and see if someone will smash it is that yeah. yeah and it's it's very good if i have someone it's also i have a tendency to do this without really thinking about it uh so it's very good to have someone <laughs> near me who knows that i do this all the time and that i have a tendency to sound like i know what i'm talking about which i'm not at all all the time uh there's our only some parts I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know you well enough to occasionally ask, are you lying now? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. Uh, how often do I say, yep? That's fairly often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's usually when you're telling a tall, sort of tall tale and not so much um, waxing oh, poetic good. about technical things. Yeah, you should never let facts get in the way of a good story. Usually. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so so uh, that's some part of it. But I think what I'm also trying to get at is that I like having discussions about things. And it's a very useful thing to talk something through. But everyone needs to, to think that because <laughs> otherwise there will be dolly stemming. I don't know if there's an English phrase for that, but people will become sad. Just talk through the the um, space something um yeah does it make sense at all what i'm saying yeah i think so you sort of like to posit something and then see if that can lead to a useful and interesting discussion of the topic not because you yep. really really believe the particular angle you presented but rather because you're you're curious if that if that one has legs or even if what the potential other viewpoints are. Exactly. It's sort of a devil's advocate thing without necessarily being uh, that disingenuous because I don't think you generally go in for being being the advocate of anything, uh, but it's like, so this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, sort of throwing a topic up there in a in a rather specific way to try to prompt discussion. Now, there's an expression that tends to come up when you talk about being wrong, and that's uh, strong opinions loosely held. Yeah, are you familiar with that one? Yeah, it's it has has some interesting nuances. Yeah, I I was starting to twist that one over in my mind when we started talking about this, and like. <laughs> It sounds good, and it's like, shouldn't everyone be like that? But I don't think I want everyone to hold their strong opinions loosely, because opinions are not necessarily carried by facts all the time, and they are definitely not only changed by facts. It's like, oh, someone provides me new facts, and I will change my opinion. It's like, I have fundamental ideologies that I believe serve the world better than alternate viewpoints. And in the current world and the current political climate and the current situation all around, it's pretty hard to prove or disprove that. But I have some conviction that this is the right way to be a person and this is the right way to be reasonable and this is the way that we could solve the large issues in the world, or it, it would be a path towards that. And a lot of people would tell me, nah, that's not going to work. That's never going to work because X, because Y. Like, okay, they believe things. I believe things. And opinions, like everyone has them. And if you only hold them loosely, what does that sort of do to you? It gets really I think you should be open to being wrong I think you should be open to changing your opinion and I believe I do that a fair bit but something makes me a little bit uncomfortable about strong opinions loosely held and I think it correlates with that I also am slightly uncomfortable when people don't have sort of strong opinions convictions things they really believe in that's actually when you really often see devil's advocates showing up. It's like, but what about <laughs> this? Or what if this? When 
the sort of devil's advocacy and similar sort of discussion approaches tend to be mostly used when you don't have a horse in the race or when you're trying to tear someone's thinking down uh, regardless of where you're standing and i've met people that don't care about a bunch of things that i care about that's that's fine but having discussions with them about these things can sometimes be pretty counterproductive because they are not invested in the idea they just enjoy trying to sort of poke holes and see if like do i really believe it or does it really hold up and it's not necessarily not necessarily useful to have other people's lack of care inform your opinions i think that's that's about where i i land on that it's like i'm happy to to be argued with about someone who cares a lot about a different thing or sort of a slightly different direction or has a, an alternate viewpoint and understands mine or even if they directly oppose mine i think that can also be a more useful conversation sometimes than someone who doesn't really care about the thing and often some i've run into people that mostly care about the dis- having the discussion or in, sort of enjoy trying to one up a discussion and i absolutely don't care about discussion for discussion's sake i care about ideas and what people care about and that sort of i think it's a decent ideal for things that are not all that important then yeah you can have a strong opinion about your code editor and it's probably wise to hold it loosely you should not get married to that idea you should not sort of invest your identity in your code editor necessarily but i think sort of your convictions about how to be a good person or your ideas about how to treat friends and family like yeah that's important stuff don't hold too loosely to your own ideas also don't don't get blind to your <laughs> sort of of course you have to be willing to adapt but yeah loosely held that doesn't describe how i how i hold on to my convictions i guess my my fundamental uh, thinking what do you think maybe there are different levels of opinions or yeah so there are like convictions things that are really really important and then there are things like i don't know <laughs> things that aren't as important but but can be strongly held for a little while now i think i mainly just agree with you in on this topic uh and it's also i think it's also important to not be a judgmental person i was going to say something bad there i'm very much for live and let live yeah i try to be <laughs> yeah it's very hard to understand other people without spending a bit of time and asking hard questions and they probably don't want to answer them because they have better things to do like for instance living their lives yeah so yeah but i can i can still get the get angry and frustrated at people that are simply yeah triggering something in me yeah uh, but yeah 
feelings are feelings so you gotta feel the feelings and so on yeah i fundamentally fundamentally i think there are ideas that people can hold that are harmful uh, yeah and that are essentially typically if they don't are not expressing them they don't generally cause harm because they are not expressing them and they are not hitting people with with that so there are things i will not abide in in polite society or things that i will not leave unanswered where a very a very sort of live and let live kind of approach would be to just let things pass uh, doesn't matter doesn't affect really affect me and i think that's that's a actually well actually that that's a an ideology right there that's a, a an incredibly individualistic viewpoint yeah and i'm fundamentally like i'm very individualistic as a person i believe in collective collectivist ideas so i try not to be too focused on just myself and my own thing is i grew up for one thing as a man i grew up on the internet to a large extent i can ignore many things um i can absorb essentially any foul joke any foul language i have in my teens laughed at the worst miseries the internet can share very few things actually get to me unless i let them and i let certain things get to me because i do not want to be a the person that lets inappropriate things pass by and hit someone else i can be quite unaffected by something and still say no that's the that's rubbish that's not something you should be saying or that's not appropriate or actually i know some people that are like that and that's not true at all this commonly comes up with sort of racism homophobia that kind of thing and i i know people that are affected and i know that a lot of people are affected so it's like live and let live does not cut it for me quite and this means that occasionally i'll get into an argument that i absolutely did not want to get into but i go there because of my convictions and because i believe that there's an importance to leaving to actually responding to certain things I try not to get too wound up about things like that I really disagree with that are just like oh this person has fundamentally different values than me but they seem okay about it. There there's plenty of people that are philosophically conservative for example which is something I don't relate to at all and it's not my thing. But I don't really have a problem with someone having conservative values set as long as they treat people well and don't actually sort of buy into the fear and sort of fear mongering and otherness and all of that like you can have a conservative value set and be a reasonable person i think the current climate makes it very very difficult i think and a sort of i think yeah, the conservative world over indexes on on muppets absolute muppets but i try not to sort of too closely correlate that uh, and the same like if someone's extremely progressive that does not mean that they're a good person 
it means I'm more likely to agree with them on a bunch of topics, but it doesn't necessarily make them a good person. And I try to sort of decouple that. And if I see someone signaling some things or shouting about something where it's like, oh, I really disagree about that, but it's also not an important thing. It's like, oh, you're very you're very keen on Java and that's because you're a fearful person that hates change. Okay, if that's my read on on what you're expressing, I don't have to argue with that. I can argue with that if I feel like having an argument. Sometimes that's what the internet is for. But this is also like the importance of like live and let live is a pretty good idea for things that don't matter very much. I think that's it. Yeah. There's also an interesting nuance to it and that's if you want to create a decent community somewhere you cannot have any tolerance at all live and let live goes out the window the first day because then there's to make it a reasonable place to hang out and to feel safe and all the other good things a community needs there needs to be preferably written down rules and they need to be what's the word for that policed uh, someone needs to make sure that the rules are followed and that people are uh, thrown out of the place if they don't follow the rules. So, uh, which is interesting in and of itself. Uh, I think there's a there's a good. I don't know if that story is true at all, but there's a good uh, story somewhere on the internets about a dude who walks into a bar, uh, uh, gets a beer from the bartender, and then another dude. Uh, walks in and the bartender goes you need to go out now you cannot be here and the other dude goes bah but why i just want to have a beer but he's thrown out uh and the bartender explains that if you let someone uh so the dude who gets thrown out i think he has an iron cross or something yeah, yeah i've heard and the story he, he kind of looks like a nazi Neo-Nazi. Uh, and the bartender explains that if you, if you uh, let them get a toehold on your place, the place will turn into a Nazi bar. And you don't want that because that's bad, yeah. uh, both for humanity and for business. Yeah, I think that's, that's sort of the idea that the first ones will always be very kind and nice and yep. pleasant. And they will get, and if they get in, they'll bring their friends. And then it's yep. Then it's a real problem. Exactly. And I think there are communities where you don't need to sort of have all that explicit reinforcement. The thing is, a lot of people are like, oh, there's such a... You, you can't say anything anymore, rada, rada, rada. And the pressure that they are feeling is culture, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. And it might be that the left and sort of progressives have always had a better hand in and on culture. And that's why there's a certain pressure in the culture to be respectful, kind, and accepting of many types of people. That's something we've been drawing. Like, you have children's comics and children's books and everything that's like, oh, yes, different people. We should accept different people. It's okay to be different. That's been a value that's been promoted since we were small. Yep. Suddenly, that that's very oppressive, and trying to be trying to be respectful and kind and accepting is apparently a challenge. But 
I think that has always been culture. Culture wielded as informal rules, which are not you go to jail for breaking them. They are rules which you will feel immense social discomfort if you keep overstepping these. And many communities can operate under those circumstances. It's harder on the internet, I think, because and that, there you really benefit from clear rules and enforcement or clear, uh, like a clear majority culture. If you have clear cultural values, that sort of self-filters to a large extent. But having the option of throwing someone out, if they <laughs> that's a weird thing. Sometimes people really want to go into a place where they don't fit in and they really want to sit there and stink. That's I never understood that one, but that happens, especially on the internet. It does happen in real life as well. Some people don't know when they're not welcome or they know that they're not welcome, but they have nowhere else to go. So sometimes culture is not enough. And I think in, in those cases, usually it's helpful to have rules and someone to enforce them. Usually like the person responsible for the venue or the person pulling together the event. But yeah, I I think that's uh, that lines up with that whole the whole sort of anecdote of the Nazi coming to the bar. It's like, no, go away. Uh, you're not welcome here. And it's like, oh, what? Well, he seemed harmless. Uh, didn't you see the Nazi stuff? And it's like, oh, no. But he just wanted a beer. Yeah. Next time there'll be two of them. Next time there'll be three of them. What we accept becomes acceptable. Yeah. I think that's why I'm I not chill with sort of, oh, let people be, let people live why do people get so upset about rada rada because getting upset is how you signal this that something is not acceptable it's not that it's exactly. not that i'm terribly easy to offend it's really really hard to offend me unless you're trying i can i don't like to but i can be very very sort of disconnected uh, from all of that the reason i take offense is because i believe there are ways we should run a society where people should be allowed to be from other countries be gay i think we should help people i think we should accept people and i don't think we need to accept that people are unaccepting i don't think we need to oh actually we do need to accept that people are are unaccepting but they have to keep that to themselves they have to make that their own problem they have to deal with that somehow because if we as a society need to move forward, it's like, yeah, we have to actually progress. I think there's enough consensus that, like, yeah, gay people, they're, they're all right. They, they can be however they want. And there's a difference between that and, like, racist people. They can be however they want. Like, yes, we can't stop people from being racist, but we can stop them from being racist at people. That's sort of the nuance there. Yeah, and we can tear down the racist systems. Yeah, over time. And replace them with something that's better. And how much better, I suppose, is up to, I don't know. Actually, let's. I, I think I have a, a way to bring us back towards computing in a, in a way. Oh, cool. Let's try it. So, yeah, good luck. When you want to change a system... There is never a good uh, way to just change all of it at once. That is known to not work well. There's this this uh, 
thing. It's a quote of of some computer guy uh, where any working complex system has invariably been shown to evolve from uh, smaller, simpler systems that worked. You cannot start with a complex system and get it to work. You have to start with simpler systems. And the way you change a system typically needs to be piecemeal. You take a part here, you adjust that towards your eventual goal. This system is slow. Okay, yeah, we'll massage those bottlenecks away. This system is ineffective at what it's supposed to be doing. Okay, uh, why is why is it? Where where does all this stuff get stuck? Where is it inefficient? Where where are people stumbling in the interface? You find those small bits and pieces. It's never just one thing. Like this whole system is slow and inefficient. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, we found the sleep statement. It's fine. <laughs> we fixed it. It's never that. It's always oh, this this is outdated and uh, bad software. Okay, let's take. It's not one thing that turns something outdated and slow. It's a multitude of parts. And if you can take each part or each part that has a problem and change that, bit by bit you shift the system. You shift every part, but you also over time shift the system towards a particular goal. And that's sort of... um, Taking small stands, I guess, uh, and changing small things is how you shift a system. And I don't think I don't think I'm bringing it back to being wrong, but I do think that um, this again about convictions. If you know, if you have a clear idea about where a system needs to be, what it needs to be, that's actually going to be immensely helpful in in shaping what you do to a system and whenever you have a strong conviction you also run the risk of being wrong you have to be accepting of the risk of being wrong otherwise you're sort of an ass about things it's like yeah no i and i will say i can absolutely be wrong about a bunch of my convictions some of them I'm pretty certain about, and some of them are still things that are vague. Like uh, I could go in a few different ways about certain things. I'm, I'm very open to having some ideas sort of turned inside out and discussed and debated, and some are uh, I'm less keen on for for particular reasons. And I think that's also the case with with anyone's sort of technical opinion. It's there are fundamental ideas that I believe in as a technical person. Like, I think adding a ton of layers is almost always a bad thing. Adding some layers can be a good thing. I think heavy generalization is almost always a bad thing. But there are definitely cases where generalization is a good thing. It's just I have a certain way that I view software development, a point of view. And I think it's very helpful to have a point of view, but I'm also willing to adjust that and be wrong about things. And sometimes I I even take stabs at saying, oh, no, this is the way to do it. And 
even if I sound certain about things, I'm very happy to be wrong, especially about things that are so relatively low stakes as technical opinions. And I, I guess that's similar to what you do when you posit a theory and see if anyone slams it down. Do you generally believe the thing you're you're positing when you do that? Uh, yeah, at that moment, but it's it's very much a particle accelerator kind kind of belief. Um, it's a very short amount of time I believed it, but it's my brain says, "Yeah, this is reasonable. This is good. Let's try it out." Uh, and then someone with experience goes, "No." <laughs> we tried it that's a bad idea or they go hmm interesting those and those tried that and that was mm, a mixed bag of ideas and so on so it's yeah it's a bit of both but i don't think i ever go for devil's advocate like taking the opposite view of what no. i believe because that just feels wrong there is this idea have you heard of steel manning an argument nope I think that's an interesting idea. I don't I have not read into it or explored it particularly so I don't know if it's actually a good idea. But I think it's something similar to what I I occasionally try to do when I know that there's a reasonable person on the other side and I'm just not seeing what they're seeing right now. But steel manning mm-hmm. an argument would be try to interpret this in its strongest possible way and even sort of try to fill in the blanks, boost the idea, try to expand on it in a way that you, as if you believe that this was the approach to go with. Ah, cool. It's sort of, yeah, it's the yes and of exploring a suggestion. I like it. But it it also requires sort of, at least stepping away from your convictions for a moment. It, especially, I think the idea is that if you steal man arguments that are opposing to yours, you're being a, a pretty decent person to to sort of discuss with. It's really, you're sort of being, I guess, are you God's advocate if you <laughs> go along with, with whatever's being said? No. Um, An no. angel. But it's like <laughs> some kind. taking on their suggestion and exploring it. And I think it's a good sort of good thought experiment. But I think it's also something to be mindful. Like, what are you steel manning currently? What, what, because uh, much like being a devil's advocate, being a devil's advocate about things that people care dearly about often puts you in asshole territory. And I think steel manning can put you in weird company <laughs> real quick. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's sort of an interesting idea. And I think I do something similar to what you're describing with, like, no, this is an idea I literally just had, but I think it's a good one. <laughs> or it might <laughs> be a thing. <laughs> so, so yeah, just throw it out. I've had some conversations that are interesting because I do some things publicly on the internet and I I use sort of Twitter and Mastodon and Slack communities and stuff sometimes to ask questions where I just want more information. It's like I'm I'm a little bit curious if I could do this. All right. But what if I just ask the question? 
uh, and not i'm just asking the question like uh, where where you're trying to provoke people no i'm more like oh has anyone does anyone have a clue if it's possible to run nerves on the steam deck uh, and how hard that would be and then if that sparks an interesting discussion maybe i i get some fundamentals for for reading further and sometimes it's like oh if i wanted to run this machine learning thing on a mac is there tooling for that or is that uh, is that impossible currently it's like that kind of questions or what are people using for building java bundling javascript these days because i want something different on webpack like that's a typical kind of question that i could throw just throw out there and get the sort of lay of the land from the people that respond that doesn't mean i have any plans to do anything in particular with that information i might be looking forward and seeing if something pops up that really really lights a spark or it might just go into sort of a a mental filing cabinet for if i execute on this idea i need to look at this but i've had some people that seem to when they see me asking about something they assume that it is part of the thing i am working on right now which is really misunderstanding how i do things it can be a part of a thing i'm working on right now or it can be a loose thought which i asked out loud because that's how conversations happen so nice so sort of uh Random ideas loosely held or loosely shared, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Working in public or something. Uh, I listened to the Two's Compliment podcast, which is an absolutely lovely podcast. I wholeheartedly recommend it to everyone who cares about programming. Um, and they said that one thing they do, both of the hosts on the podcast, is to go into a community where they know where people they respect hang out, uh, where people with a taste they respect hang out too, because those two are different. And uh, they ask, like, what's the... I need a library that does uh, this and this. Uh, Have you used... What's your opinion on those libraries? Or which libraries should I use? Uh, And have you used it? And uh, uh, if they get some good answers from from people they know and respect the opinions of, uh, or tastes of rather, uh, they they have a good start in researching the stuff. Uh, I think that episode was mostly about that they write way too much software themselves, and why they do it. They. Uh, I think they're currently working in finance with high-frequency trading, so the <laughs> margins are that big when it comes to time for executing the code, not for writing the code. Yeah. Which is the opposite for, like, almost <laughs> everyone else. Yeah. So that's a good one. Yeah. I think that's, that lines up with with some of what I like to do. It's like, oh, this is a good crowd for this question. I yeah. think this will will generate something here, either a good conversation or actual information that I need. Exactly. <laughs>